0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Can I Eat This podcast. I am your host, Heather Horton, and this is part two of Leona West Fox. I'm super pumped, you guys. She is my functional medicine nutritionist. We did a part one. It was chock full of info. Um, this is part two because I felt like we just did not have enough time to really talk about... Uh, well, we also didn't get into her story, so we talked about that after we <laughs> were done recording, so we for sure had to come back for part two because... This podcast what I emphasize is that this is about people's stories, their personal stories of what happens whether there's something happens in their life an injury, a diagnosis, something and they make a change with food. So, um this episode, this is part 2 for Leona. We talk about her story and what led her down this amazing path of functional medicine nutrition. So, um what her diagnosis was and and she found out fortunately for her, she found out very early. So, um, like I said, what her situation is, and we also, with the time that we had left, we talk about cholesterol, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, what all those uh, all those little acronyms mean and what the numbers mean and what your range should be, and what foods you can eat to combat that. So we go into a lot of fun stuff with cholesterol. It, listen, and cholesterol could take uh, two parts in and it of itself, but we we spend a little time on it, so take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I, like I said, so excited for this episode. And without further ado, here is Leona West Fox. Okay hello everybody we're back for part two of leona west hyphen fox um welcome back thank you i say welcome back i'm at your office <laughs> you should be welcoming me back um, welcome
1: back. Heather. thank
0: you i'm excited to be back <laughs> so we've we we felt like we needed more of leona so um here we are and i i i don't know i we talked about how we never really got into your story so we're going to get into a little bit of your story. Mm-hmm. Cause every, all, this whole podcast is, is people's stories and what they've gone through and how it's affected them and how they changed with their eating and that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. um, this happened to you, which is, yeah. which, okay. And this mm-hmm. is how you kind of went down this path. And the people, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a physical therapist and actually most physical therapists have some sort of injury that they come in contact with a physical therapist. And that's how mm-hmm. they go down that path of physical therapy. So here we are. Let's, um, we're going to talk about that and Mm -hmm. then afterwards, time limits, um, we're going to talk about cholesterol, a lovely subject, (laughs) um, and maybe some other things if we have time. Okay. Right?
1: Let's jump in. Okay.
0: So let's talk about you. Mm -hmm. What, um, your story, how did you, what, what happened in your life that Mm -hmm. caused you to kind of look closer at your Mm -hmm. eating and your cooking and all that stuff?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think my story happened so early that I rarely even talk about it because my whole journey started when I was a kid, but it most certainly was pretty dramatic and most certainly set me on the path where I'm at today. So growing up, I was a very typical kid. I was very active, involved in lots of extracurricular activities, very healthy, um, On the outside, but I happen to have a horrible diet. Hmm. Um, And when I say horrible, I really do mean horrible diet. Okay. I think I lived off of cheese, bread, canned ravioli. Oh, yeah. Dr. Pepper and candy.
0: Hey, that was a (laughs) Friday night for me in the deep south. Um, That was Monday
1: through Friday. (laughs) Yes, got it. Okay. Um, So... And that was just it. So at about, I guess around 16, I got mono. So I'm sure a lot of people are familiar. Mono is a really common, um, little, it's kind of like a really bad flu. It's caused by a virus called Epstein-Barr. And most people have gotten it in their life and most people get it as teenagers. It was dubbed the kissing disease. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Although I don't know if I got it from a kiss. Um, (laughs) so. Um, and usually you get over it in about two or three weeks. It probably feels like your worst flu as a yeah. teenager. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't getting better. And we didn't know that it was mono at the time, but then I finally went in to the doctors and they tested and it was mono.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And weeks turned into weeks, and it seemed like I was actually getting worse. And it got to a point where I w- would go to bed And I would sleep for 12 hours, and I would wake up exhausted. Every part of my body just hurt and ached. You could just touch my skin ever so softly, and it just felt just excruciating. And I started to kind of just have a snowball effect of symptoms. So I started gaining weight. I started developing acne. I was having digestive problems, and I was exhausted, and I started to become in chronic pain. Went back to the doctors, and they were not quite sure, but they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome.
0: Wow. And you were how old at this point?
1: 16 going on, 17.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So at that point, they had, you know, at that point, there wasn't as much awareness or connection between um, viruses and these kind of chronic conditions or how viruses can reactivate Mm -hmm. or how, you know, if the body's so compromised, you can't kind of overcome a virus and how that can snowball into inflammatory or autoimmune type of, you know, reactions in the body. Um, but I mean, they did kind of, loosely tie it to the Epstein bar because it was all kind of happening around the same time. Mm -hmm. But the only options they gave me were painkillers and antidepressants. Oh my gosh. And at that point, I remember, I remember as a teenager kind of sitting in my room and thinking, because I was so happy to get this diagnosis, which I think a lot of people can relate to when they're having all these problems and, when you get that first diagnosis, there's this huge relief, like, oh, okay. You know what it is. You know what it yeah, is. Yeah, Now, what can I do about it? Right. And then when they said, well, we don't really have a lot of answers, but here are these painkillers and antidepressants, I I was just so deflated. And I was really, I think, just, just as scared now, just as confused, because I was so originally happy that you know, they were going to solve my problem. now. Mm-hmm. What can I do to solve right. it? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I spent a few days kind of taking some of the painkillers and, and the antidepressant. And I just, I just ultimately had a really strong aversion, which is continuing down that path. And even in my 16 year old mind, I understood that that was not going to fix the problem. It was just going to mask my symptoms. Right. Somehow I got that. That's
0: Um. I will say this, that's impressive that you were that aware that That was not a fix Mm -hmm. because most teenagers are just kind of, you know, it's, it's that point where you're just, there's so much other stuff on your brain, Mm -hmm. high school and everything else. So (laughs) kudos to you. All right. (laughs) Continuing on. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So I was, I was evaluating my life for the first time in my life and I was looking around and I was thinking, okay, what's going on in my life? What can I... Take control of what could be impacting this. And I thought, well, my diet is horrible. Mm. And that was. You even thought at that time it was horrible? Well, it was the first time that I had
0: thought. Because <laughs> I, I mean, you know, if, I, if I'm 16 and I'm eating canned ravioli, I'm like, man, it's delicious. All right. I would not be aware that it was horrible. You know, okay, go ahead. It
1: was, it, but it was truly my first awareness. Like I had to dig deep, you know, right, I right. had to figure out what, what is wrong with this picture? You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm st- my 16 year old brain is striving here. I, once again,
0: I'm impressed. <laughs> I just was going from one thing to the next and eating canned ravioli. Okay.
1: Um, so I looked at my diet and so at that point I was, I started, you know, we weren't Googling things as, as, Mm. as readily as we do now. So I started going to the library. I started going to the bookstore and I just kind of started to get really insatiable in terms of my appetite for understanding food, Mm -hmm. diet, how it impacts our health, um, The alternative ways of healing you know how the body works I just started to get I think it was I was putting all that energy into feeling helpless into how can I gain some control by educating myself right and so I started reading and I started changing my diet and also I also started to change my mindset I started to understand that there is a mind-body connection especially when it comes to pain um and so I started to build a diet around supporting my immune system to filling deficiencies that I most likely had. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I started practicing meditation and thinking about the mind-body connection and putting these things into pra- practice. And a lot of these things, I mean, I, w- I was kind of going from one thing to another. I can look at it now and see how I was kind yes. of systematically doing this. But I think I was just kind of reaching for these things. But I look at it now and see that I was really determined – Mm -hmm. And I did a complete turnaround on my diet. So at this point, I was about a year and a half into my illness, and it had gotten pretty bad. I was about 45 pounds overweight. My Mm. period had stopped. Um, Had stopped. Had stopped. A lot of GI issues um, because I had a cyst. Okay. Uh, Just, I had a laundry list Mm of problems on top of the fibromyalgia type of symptoms, and I was in a lot of pain. So one by one, things started to turn around. There was finally, after over a year and a half, some movement. And once things got started, once my diet completely shifted, and I started to shift my mindset, and I started to meditate a little bit, and I also started to just just in little ways bring in like this little herbal remedy, and I started kind of just playing around a little bit with some Mm -hmm. things to support my body and nourish my body, and within a very short period of time, the weight dropped off, my skin cleared up, my digestion improved, and the pain was evaporating. Wow. And it was ultimately a complete turnaround and within a handful of months after a year and a half of just a nightmare. And so for me, what I do now in nutrition and integrative health is a direct connect- connection to my own experience. Right. Right because I firsthand went through my own transformation. Now I did it young. So by the time I reached adulthood, you know, I was on board, (laughs) you know, I was on board, I was on track and, and I never, I never looked back. Right. And I've lived a healthy lifestyle and have enjoyed, you know, deep health ever since because it turned into a lifestyle. Um, Question
0: for you. Have you had, do you feel the, um, that was a legit diagnosis. Are you still having or do you have any of those Zero. symptoms? Okay. Zero. Okay.
1: Never had anything even remotely, you know, even in the vicinity. For the vicinity. fibro and the, yeah, Okay. Nothing. Just curious
0: about yeah. that. Um, also, another question. How did that affect your situation at home with your parents? You were starting to kind of make a change. Did they make a change with you? Um, did they just continue to do their own thing and you did your thing?
1: Well, you know, Um, it's interesting because no, they didn't change with me. And it's funny now because I mean, I went in deep, so I was doing everything in terms of cultivating a healthy lifestyle. And I was also experimenting with different things. So at the time I was a teenager, nobody heard about kombucha. I was making kombucha (laughs) in the house, the in my you know family kitchen right and i and my sister who's 10 years younger than me she recently said man you're so ahead of your time <laughs> you were making kombucha when we were kids <laughs> i was like i know you're like right <laughs> so yeah i know i was off the deep end health wise oh at that gosh. time you know but, you know, what's funny is that, no, so my family just, I mean, they were supportive. Right. But they weren't And they bought you, I mean,
0: they were purchasing your your yeah. groceries. No,
1: I mean, my mom well, wanted me to, I mean, you can imagine as a parent, now that I'm a parent, how scary that is completely. to watch yeah. your child. So, no, I mean, she was definitely supportive. Well, that's my
0: question. Like, I know, I know personally know someone who it's a family of four and there are three diets mm-hmm. in the household mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's stressful on the mom, mm-hmm. you know, trying to help out, you know, you were at least sixteen or seventeen, roughly. Yeah. I mean, I was and kind you were able to taking, like do your own thing. Yeah. I can't imagine having like a, you know, um
1: no, that does happen. I, mean, yeah. I work with families where there's a little bit, I, tr- I try to help them find that I was going to say, what do
0: you suggest? Okay, you suggest yeah. them finding you, maybe yeah, some common ground. Yeah, you always have
1: those common ground, and and that can be really helpful with working with someone like me as a family yeah. to kind of find those overlaps just to make it practical. Um, but yeah, and my situation was a little bit different because, I mean, I was almost an adult at that point. Exactly. I was making You were practically food. out of the house at yeah, that I point. Was, um,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, you were already cooking and doing that kind of thing.
1: But yeah. learning learning to cook too because yeah. my mom my mom was a single working mom she had two daughters okay so you know she was working she also was getting her college degree later in life okay so it was like a busy household high five to mom yeah total yeah. high five and so the you know as kids we were just you know we were
0: you're kind of trying to do kind that's of do why you thing. had canned ravioli
1: exactly I mean I'm not I'm not
0: knocking it like I said I you know um. I had the whole thing where my mom was uh, a dance teacher. She's since retired from the studio, but she had a different schedule. You know, my dad got up really early. He helped us get our breakfast, but our breakfast was bowl of cereal. You know what I mean? And run out the door, um, get us to school. Um, he would help us get dinner because she would go in around lunchtime and not get home till nine or 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'd take her dinner mm-hmm. to the studio. Um, so definitely like a, yeah, I mean, everything going on these days with all the parents working and every, all the kids or whatever, even if you've got a single parent, it's, um, it could be a little crazy.
1: It, it It is, it is challenging. And I think that's why it's a good idea to find, well, right now we do have more options in terms of healthier food has never been more convenient.
0: Very true. So that's one good thing. Very true.
1: Um, But also teaching kids to be independent around, empower, inspire kids around food early Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. also gives them more, you know, not keeping the kids out of the kitchen, bringing them into the kitchen. Right. So when they're... 11 12 13 14 depending on the maturity of the kid they can also engage in their own a little bit of food preparation you know together as a family they can
0: help yeah yeah completely my nephew likes to help which Mm -hmm. is great he's 11
1: my daughter already i can't get her out of the kitchen she's four and she always wants to cook with me yeah (laughs) that's
0: great yeah my 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 little guy he's like i said we bought him a he's got a what do you call that thing? Oh, An chef, apron. Chef's. Oh, uh, yeah. you know, you know, I'm like, what do you call that thing? you throw it around your neck and it goes in front of you. Um, yeah, we got him, we got him one. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Anything else you want to say about your story? That's, you guys, that was very moving. If I, if you could see it, if there was a camera on her, <laughs> it was a very moving story. Well, um, I think
1: the only thing I would say about that is, well, the few things is that for me specifically, Diet was the key. Mm -hmm. There was no medication, there was no diagnosis, there was no one doctor that was going to kind of save me. Um, It was a bigger effort that centered around my diet and then also extended out to what we would call now, you know, self care or wellness measures. Um, And then also, even at a young age, understanding that um, my my habits, my emotions, my sleep patterns, you know, that all of these things have influences over our health, over our body, over healing. And so that was the lesson that I had the luxury, really, I see it as a luxury, that I had the luxury of learning it really early in mm-hmm.
0: life. I wish I did. I, you know, I did go, I played soccer in college and I, I went off to, you know, to to college and my coach there were things that she would. She said, "You're not going to drink that anymore. You're not going to eat that anymore." And I was like, "Oh." So I did learn a little bit my freshman year, which is crazy. I lost 20 pounds my freshman year. Most freshmen gain weight. I right. <laughs> um, actually lost weight. Uh, of course, I was playing a college sport, but I was also eating and drinking much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was learning it from my teammates. I mm-hmm. didn't get that really um, at home. And of course, I'm learned way more with you as or at well. School.
1: And yeah. that's the thing, too, is that, you know, there's a lot of people that advocate for more and more interesting, compelling, inspiring information around health, food, mm-hmm. our body that can start in our households, but also in our schools, in our communities. Yeah, completely. Well, who was it? Uh, Jamie
0: Oliver, who was right. trying to get that right. going here in the States. I mean, mm-hmm. they had a little show about it briefly. I don't know what happened mm-hmm. to that. And but in Britain,
1: he's, he's done a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, trying to change... He, of course, he went down to the south, which I thought was hysterical. I'm like, good luck, Jamie. Uh, mm-hmm. good Godspeed. Um, but he was in the school system, the districts, trying to change their their mm-hmm. options, you know, for the kids. But it's got to start early. Yeah, and
1: what they're eating at school. I mean, we're still have. i mean, it's kind of sad that we—that this conversation is still relevant, what kids are eating at school. Yeah. Because it starts there. Oh, completely. And most kids are still eating pretty subpar. I mean, it's gotten a little bit better right. in certain areas, but ultimately, overall, there's still a long way to go.
0: Yeah. It, you're... I totally agree. Um, yeah. It's... it's. I mean, at least they could get that meal at school if it's a decent meal, even if they're not getting it at home. They can mm-hmm. try to get that. Um, yeah, we have some good... The school that I do... I work part-time at, they... Actually, the parents... We have a lot of parents that operate in a Sugar-free. They if they send the kiddo candy, it's mm-hmm. like it, with their lunchbox, it's like sugar-free candy. They they do a pretty good job actually of some of the stuff they
1: send. I and mean, there's I'm, definitely a, a greater awareness than there ever has been. Right. There, there is right. this movement that's really almost that's. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would say taken over mainstream, but more so than ever, our parents more aware, kids are more aware. Yeah. There's more conversation. Right. So we're in a better position than we have ever been. But we still have ways that we can go completely um but it does have to be around exposure and inspiration um right. it's not about like you got to eat those peas or whatever you know yeah. it's got to be really inspiring inspiring kids around their own health and well-being and what that feels like yeah um and also getting them excited about food
0: i will say this i do not like english peas <laughs> they're disgusting <laughs> and bitter so there. okay moving on <laughs>
1: Um, Heather will not be eating her peas. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. Um, well, thank you for sharing your story. That is uh, yeah. that's Thanks so for asking about my story. You know, I, I did. I was curious about the fibromyalgia because I feel like, um, it at one point when they weren't sure what something was, mm-hmm. uh, instead of going to nutrition or anything else, they slapped that tag on. Mm-hmm. Um. Not so much anymore, but mm-hmm. at one point, I've been, you know, a physical therapist for 20 years now, so I've seen a lot of the fibro stuff that I wasn't sure if it was mm-hmm. totally fibromyalgia. Do you know what I mean?
1: Totally. And, you know, because I was so young and there was, I mean, we still, there's still a lot of complexity around fibromyalgia, to put mm-hmm. it mildly. Yes. Um, even at that time, not that I'm, that was, not that it was that long ago, but even at that time, <laughs> um, there was even less. Um, And who knows? But the one thing that I will say is that I do want people to understand that for when you are compromised nutritionally, when you are in a big deficit and then you get hit with an infection or some kind of trauma or illness, that's when your body can really get seriously compromised and have a hard time coming back. And that's also when you're more vulnerable if you're predisposed to developing chronic inflammatory conditions, developing, um, autoimmune conditions. And so, you know, at the, at the end of the day, who knows what I had actually developed or not.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: When, as I've moved on and worked with clients over these years with fibromyalgia, I certainly. I, I mean, I, I never forget. You never forget when you're in that level of pain what that feels like. It doesn't right. matter how many years totally. pass. Yeah, it It is devastating. It mm-hmm. is excruciating, and it seems like nothing can take it away. And it's like it just manifests all over the place. Um, but I think people, you want to understand that there can be these underlying root causes that have to do with nutritional deficiency, stress, um, and maybe viral reactivation or, you know, viruses that haven't been handled. I mean, at this point, we're starting to connect um, certain viruses with the with development of certain cancers. Mm-hmm. We're learning more and more how viruses relate to chronic conditions, can relate to cancer. Um, so in a bigger picture sense, in about 30% of people who have had Epstein-Barr can have a reactivation in their life, and for some people, it can snowball into other conditions. Yeah. Um, so just being aware of that, I think it's so important. If, if maybe if my story can translate to now or somebody listening to make it relevant to their, their own experience, if they happen to be dealing with, a, you know, a little collection of symptoms and they're not getting a lot of answers... Obviously, I have a bias from my own experience and as a nutrition, but you always want to start with food first because Mm -hmm. food impacts your physiology at least three times a day, every day. And it can make real change in and of itself in your physiology and also in relationship to whatever else you bring into the picture, you know, how you'll Mm -hmm. respond to that. Yeah. So it's always a – the the roots – of where you want to go, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's,
0: and you made a good point earlier when we first started talking about your mindset. I think mm-hmm. those are your two key things, really, mm-hmm. just what you're putting in mm-hmm. your body and and those neural pathways that you're creating. It, it's mm-hmm. um, we've known it for years, and it's just uh, now science is backing it up, and um with, you know, with the mindset stuff used Mm -hmm. to back in the day, used to be considered frou, frou, la, la. Right. Um, but it is, science is now backing it up, which is great. And you're just remapping Mm your re you're re, you know, laying the neural pathways and, and, um, you know, it's, uh, how you talk to yourself and how you treat yourself and how you take care of yourself. And part of that is the food that goes in.
1: Absolutely. Woo.
0: All right. With that being said, let's talk cholesterol. (laughs) Um, (laughs) <laughs> so let's talk about cholesterol you've made some notes mm-hmm. oh gosh you guys there's lots of notes well, you over just, here
1: just ask me your questions well, no let's, <laughs> let's, let's um let's
0: just go down the road because mm-hmm. there's uh probably one of the most famous things mm-hmm. in the media is the good and the bad cholesterol mm-hmm. okay we know that mm-hmm. right at hdl and all that jazz um i think a lot of people more than ever when we're talking about more than ever these days are more than ever aware of that mm-hmm. distinction, but they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't, you know, the doctor says, Oh, your good. Cholesterol is, you know, good. Oh, this is bad. Then they don't get mm-hmm. any really kind of explanation of what that means. They also don't understand their numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I don't think people understand what, can, what is the, What's the whew, uh what's the bad thing that could potentially happen if you're mm-hmm. dangerously high? Right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. let's talk let's get into that. If you want to start with let's look
1: at your good and bad. Okay. Why don't we look at that first? Okay. So your L, so you have your total cholesterol and and I almost kind of just tell you don't even bother looking at your total cholesterol or or look at it after you look at your LDL and your HDL. Um, because your total cholesterol can only be qualified by your LDL and HDL. That's also why there's a third marker called your cholesterol to HDL ratio, a really important marker. So LDL, there is some debate if it should be under some labs want it under 130. Some labs want it under 120, and then there are some labs that say it should be under 100, and that's your quote-unquote bad cholesterol. Now, LDL is not all bad. We need it. We just need it to be within a very specific range. Your HDL is what we've dubbed your good cholesterol, and that for men, you want it above 50. For women, you want it above 60. And you have to look at HDL as almost like your insurance against your LDL. So it's like for every 5 points of HDL, you've helped to kind of manage 5 to 10 points of LDL. Um, but even more importantly, and more and more doctors and practitioners, nutritionists, dietitians are looking at um or bringing your attention to what's called particle size. So there is small particle um, lipids uh-huh. or LDL. Uh-huh. And there are large particle. Now there's a specific test that you can request called the VAP test, V-A-P. Uh-huh. And this helps to further qualify the potential dangers of your cholesterol numbers or not. Because if you have an LDL of, let's say, 135, Okay, so depending on the lab ranges, it may be five points over, it may be 35 points over. But if you test the particle size, and all of your LDL is large particle, or what we sometimes it's this large, buoyant particle instead of the smaller, denser, Mm -hmm. that large, buoyant particle LDL is Much less likely to cause any kind of problems. And we'll get to what the problem is with Mm -hmm, cholesterol mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the potential problem. Yeah. Um, so it's much less likely to cause problems. And that's why ultimately when we're, we can't just look at cholesterol alone. You have to look at the number of your LDL, your quote unquote bad cholesterol, the number of your HDL, your quote unquote good. You want to look at the particle size. Mm
2: -hmm. Um,
1: and, you know, if you go outside of that, there's other markers that we want to look at, lipoprotein A, lipoprotein B, something called C-reactive protein, which is a measurement of inflammation that could be impacting your cardiovascular health. So what is the potential problem with cholesterol? Yeah. So if you have an excess of cholesterol, the and especially if that cholesterol is that um, smaller particle um, LDL, then it has more of a tendency to cause damage along the walls of your arteries. And once that damage is caused, the next step after that often is atherosclerosis, which is the formation of plaque. Mm -hmm. And so that's ultimately what the concern is. But cholesterol in and of itself is not the number one Influencer over plaque formation mm-hmm. and managing that whole potential. There's a few other things that you wanna um, you wanna consider. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're not your cholesterol levels are not too high. But we also want to look at something called oxidation and glycation. Okay. So I can simplify those. Please if you do. Want. Yes. <laughs> but. <laughs> I want to first say too that cholesterol gets a really bad rap because we just kind of, you know, we latch onto something, and um, cholesterol is not all bad. Right. Cholesterol is essential in maintaining the integrity of the structure of our, of our cells. Twenty five percent of our cholesterol lives in our brain. Um, and supports brain health and integrity and cholesterol, which I like to, my, I've dubbed the coin or I've coined the term, um, is the mother of all hormones because cholesterol is the building block to all other hormones. So whether that's estrogen, testosterone. So, mm-hmm. um, vitamin D synthesis, we call vitamin D a vitamin, but it's actually a hormone. Mm-hmm. So cholesterol is really essential. And when you look at studies or research with people that have the lowest rate of um, neurological degenerative conditions like dementia, Alzheimer's, who are much older, they actually tend to have more moderate to even somewhat looking high um, cholesterol levels. Hmm. And so what's really important is that just like you can have too much cholesterol, yeah. you can also potentially have too low. Too so little. if hmm. you are on a statin, you don't think that just it's the lower the better. Like you're going for gold, you know. Right. You want to go right. at a certain point.
0: You still want to be in a safe
1: range. You want to be in a safe yeah. range because um, you don't want to induce myopathy, uh, which is weakness to the muscle and, and bones and different areas of the body that could happen uh, uh, with statins. Uh, statins can also compromise CoQ10 levels and mitochondria in terms of cell cell health. Um, so it's everything is about a balance and. Cholesterol is one of those things like blood sugar and mm-hmm. management of glucose, which can be for most people, not all, but for most people controlled or entirely controlled through diet, lifestyle, and exercise. Right. So we can talk about a few key points on how to do that, um, through diet yeah, and lifestyle. Let's do that. Any questions?
0: So no, far? You're, mm-hmm. you're rocking along. Yeah. Let's, um, obviously we would get into with you, um, some of the diet key points, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so when, so if the goal is we don't want to form plaque, which can lead to cardiovascular disease, which can lead to a stroke, why don't we want to have plaque? Why are we so paranoid about cholesterol? So here's a couple things that help to prevent uh, th- that, that whole process from occurring. One is one thing I'll ask you to do, which is Looking at your lipid profile is to look at your triglycerides the next time you have lab work. So triglycerides are another area of, of kind of measuring your fats, your lipids. And it's a really great way for me as a practitioner, as a nutritionist, to look at calorie exchange, calories in, calories out. So if, if someone's triglycerides are above a hundred, I know that there's some kind of imbalance. They're either taking in too many calories for the day, and or not expending those calories immediately in their daily physical activity, including exercise. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, if you're taking into too much energy, now that energy, i.e. calories, mm-hmm. could be coming from carbohydrates, sugars, or fats. Yeah. Because your intake of carbohydrates and sugars can also ultimately convert into excess fats. So first, you want to look at that triglyceride number. Is it below a 100? If it's not below a 100, maybe you either want to reduce your calorie intake, and that literally could be just by a 100 points, 200. We're not talking a lot of calories here, or not points, but calories. Mm-hmm. And or increase your exercise. One of the simplest ways to reduce your cholesterol levels is to simply reduce your intake of whatever area of calories you're taking in too much now that again could be too many carbohydrates too many sugars too many fats for rare people it could be too much protein so you first want to take stock of that and
0: a way to do that um, for that's very easy to do these days is by
1: tracking that through an app yeah, totally yeah you could do my fitness pal my favorite one is called which I use in my practice is called chronometer. Um, a really simple way outside of even working with a practitioner or a nutritionist just to kind of make that gauge for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's number one. And then preventing oxidation is that is also part of preventing that damage that can occur, that can create plaque or give cholesterol more of an opportunity to form. So how do we prevent oxidation? We consume lots of antioxidant rich foods. So that's your fruits and veggies, especially polyphenols. So things that are like, um, green tea, olive oil, Everything that's kind of from like the blue, purple and red family, whether mm-hmm. it's a tomato or a grape.
0: Let's give more, if we can, mm-hmm. let's give more examples because I know I can speak for a lot of people out there listening who I'm sure have been told, oh, eat more fruits and vegetables, but it's very, spe- this one, this, what we're saying here is very mm-hmm. specific, mm-hmm. but also you're still saying, and you started to name some things. Mm-hmm. Can we name a lot of examples of what, yeah. of what we can, because I, you know, I've been told that before to my face and I'm thinking, yeah, fruits and vegetables. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I know not all fruits are okay for this and not, mm-hmm. but they just say fruits and vegetables. They think right. if I just say fruits and vegetables, that's going to cover it. Right. What for specifically so let's, this?
1: So let's talk in three areas. Yeah. So one is, or maybe four quickly. So one, <laughs> so one is again, okay. So the ones that will help with that oxidation would be, your green tea mm-hmm. your berries and berries are going to be safe from a blood sugar standpoint so if someone also has diabetes um, the ratio of sugar to fiber is so perfect in berries and they have these are some of our highest antioxidant foods they really help with arterial integrity mm-hmm. supporting our arteries our heart health um, so all your berry family, if you,
0: blueberry, strawberries, raspberries, raspberries
1: blackberries, blackberries, there's no berry that is off, okay. you know,
0: cause blueberries have such a great, they have, they get all the kudos in the media,
1: Every berry, um, but all the
0: berries are good.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you could argue that blackberries are right on par with blueberries. Mm-hmm. So raspberries, all, all of the berries. I mean, in some areas you might have access to other berries, yeah. you know, there's, um, Elderberry, and I'm trying to think of the berries. We do have elderberry
0: here, don't we? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Knott's berry farm. <laughs> <laughs> Knott's berries. Knott's berries. Um, um, Elderberries, yeah.
1: Garlic. Really, really powerful. Oh, I love garlic. So powerful. I did not know that. Oh, I love
0: me some garlic. Okay. And
1: garlic loves your arteries. Great.
0: That's good to know. I love garlic. Okay. And,
1: and then a lot of your cruciferous vegetables... Um, like Which are broccoli, broccoli, bok choy, cauliflower, uh, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, uh, cooked or raw. So you could have like, or fermented sauerkraut. Um, and olive oil definitely, uh, deserves all of its kudos that it gets. And olive oil is a mono unsaturated fat and mono unsaturated fats. That's olive oil, avocado, and almonds. These monounsaturated fats really do, they kind of do a lot of work in your body in helping to clear out excess bad cholesterol and maintain the integrity of your heart and your arteries. So you want to, like if you're doing a food log, you want to make sure you're keeping, um, and if you have excess cholesterol or heart, um, any heart issues or even a strong family history that you just want to be proactive on. You want to keep your saturated fat under 10% of your total calories. And you want your monounsaturated fats from that avocado, olive oil, almonds to be 20% of your intake. Uh, and then to round that out with some other nuts that may, might be omega-6s. And then those really beneficial omega-3s, which are also part of your polyunsaturated fats, mm-hmm. which would be from high-quality, low-mercury wild fish like salmon, sardines, cod, um, and then all of your seeds. Like um pumpkin seeds, uh chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, these are really rich in your omega-3s that also help to metabolize the bad LDLs, keep the integrity of your arterial health, prevent oxidation.
0: Fan thank you. That's then, a very extensive list. There's one more?
1: Then there's one more thing to interject. Okay.
0: okay. Is one that more thing you get. Then
1: we want fiber metabolizes okay. excess. Cholesterol okay. through the liver. Right. And, and some things stimulate bile. And so if we can stimulate more bile, then the liver and gallbladder work together to flush out, to flush fat out. I mean, we're talking about not only excess cholesterol, but also the fat that can lead to body fat. Got it. So some bile movers are like artichoke, um, dandelion, uh, mm. beets, and, and then ultimately any food that's high fiber. And, but the fiber that we get from fruits and vegetables as opposed to grains have a particular structure that is way more medicinal, way more conducive in, ter- in terms of helping to eliminate excess um, fats and cholesterol from the body.
0: Yeah. Um, quick question. Going back to nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have me do as much as I can, like a dry roasted Um can you explain the difference between like a dry roasted versus the the nuts that are roasted in oils and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. what specifically they're using and
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, just because if you want if you're going to do roasted nuts, a lot of the oil roasted they're using they're using a lot of more trans fats mm-hmm. when they uh, roast them in you, oil.
0: Right. And if you're buying this in a store, prepackaged, you're not exactly totally sure what they're doing, so, unless you're doing them at home yourself. but Yeah.
1: Well, but it'll, but it'll tell you the oil that they've used. Yeah. So it yeah. might be canola oil is often used or soy oil. So it's a lot of these kind of trans fats or damaged omega-6s, which are okay. um, neutral at best, pro-inflammatory at worst. So you're kind of negating the positive benefits of getting the polyunsaturated and the monounsaturated from right. the, from the nuts. Of, they're kind of
0: fighting with each other there. Yeah. So
1: okay. just, yeah, so kind of avoiding that. Got it. Well,
0: that that, that makes me, okay, so canola. So any kind of, so if someone uses like a cooking spray, there's all kinds of stuff out there now. They now mm-hmm. have coconut oil spray. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend for their sprays that they might use for the cooking?
1: Well, first, I'm not a big fan of sprays. Got it. Don't spray uh- <laughs> you guys.
0: Crap. I got to go home and throw out my spray. <laughs>
1: But, and I don't use sprays at my home. Okay. But if you are going to use a spray, go for the coconut oil for sure. Now, coconut okay. oil is a really strongly bound saturated fat that's not going to oxidize under um, exposure to light, air, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So okay. when you're going to do a spray oil or high, um, high heat cooking, then coconut oil is much more stable under that environment. So it's not going to change. Okay. Now, um, I like to use avocado oil because it's a unsaturated. Mm-hmm. So if I use high, high heat cooking, then I'll use coconut oil. Maybe I'll use ghee or butter. Ghee is just um, clarified butter, which is butter that's been boiled. When it gets boiled, you take off the top, which is all the lactose. And now it's 100% lactose free. And it also has a higher smoking point. If I'm doing medium cooking, I use avocado oil a good you know a good quality avocado oil maintains a very good smoking point too mm-hmm. okay. and it's totally monounsaturated got it um we don't
0: spray yeah. that often i'm, I'm. fy <laughs> it's only for my little the little <laughs> thing that anyway i'm not going to get into it okay <laughs> i believe you have um <laughs>
1: oh boy okay it well um don't use an olive oil spray let's take that's the takeaway oh okay don't too use delicate. The- too has a much lower smoking point, and it's going to be more vulnerable to air and light, and the whole aerosol environment. So just just don't use it. Stick to the coconut.
0: Got it. You're okay. And in terms of olive oil, just in uh, olive oil, Um what are your thoughts on the native olive oil versus from Italy and other mm-hmm. countries? What are What are your thoughts? I know it's kind of. I've heard the arguments pro and con of, you know, like, it's like honey, you know, mm-hmm. use honey from your native region. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: They're saying this, of course, in in the Napa Valley, as far as mm-hmm. the use the olive oils that are from
2: mm-hmm.
0: your region. What, how do you feel about it?
1: Okay, I'll try to answer that in a really quick way, because, okay. well, with honey, it's the the proof is definitely the pudding meaning that you can and you can see it instantaneously Mm -hmm. you can see when people have allergies when they consume raw honey so the honey that's not been heat processed right raw honey from their local environment it can dramatically reduce their allergies i mean talk about food as medicine just you know you can see it immediately translate um i do think that there is some compelling evidence not only should we just, from an environmental standpoint, if you want to look at it from that standpoint, we certainly all benefit when we eat locally, mm-hmm. um, and it also keeps us eating seasonally, which has also been shown to to work better in terms of our health. Um, and I do think that there's a lot of value to eating locally as as much as possible. That would include um, the olive oil that I the use is yeah. Bariani, which okay. I love, and it's from Northern California. Yeah, um, so. I think whenever we can, that's always a great idea. Uh, that's not always possible in all situations and all environments. Um, so we but also if have you to be it, to that. But yeah, if you can maybe, do it, maybe swing it. Yeah. And there's some interesting research too, and, and, and some interesting hypotheses. I don't know if I agree with this hypothesis, but, um, there's a recent book that just um, came out called The Longevity Diet mm-hmm. um, by a researcher who's local to us, USC, Walter Longo,
2: okay. and
1: he's kind of he's done a lot of you know well-researched things in regards to longevity. But something that's somewhat of a hypothesis for him right now is that he thinks there's this potential that the increase in autoimmune conditions could be partly from the globalization of eating so many different foods that are not a part of our media environment our lineage okay i don't know i mean ultimately we're we're all we are becoming so global in how we eat and how we move around i just with don't everything. know if, with everything yeah. i don't know if that's sustainable and how like if you want to talk in a bigger picture like how we're evolving right um as a humanity but i think that it's um fascinating and certainly you're always going to get if you want to boil it down to the peak of ripeness, the peak of potency, the peak of nutrition, and how that can influence your wellness, you definitely want to eat locally. Yeah. Whenever you can. Right. But again, I understand that that's not always possible.
0: That's right. Got it. Okay. Question. Any other talking points that you have on your page of notes over there (laughs) (laughs) for cholesterol? (laughs) Um, Your handwriting is about as good as mine, I'll just say.
1: um. I think just the last thing is just to keep in mind that cholesterol is a bigger picture and that we can't, we can't vilify cholesterol. It's not all bad and certainly it's not all good. Um, and we want to get good sources of, um, cholesterol. Anything that is from an animal contains cholesterol. So Mm -hmm. whether that's meat, or eggs. There is no cholesterol in the plant world. Now there are saturated fats mm-hmm. like coconut oil. Yeah. But there's no cholesterol in the plant world. We only get cholesterol from animals or things that come from animals, like eggs and dairy. Um, well, and
0: that's the that's the you know the age old question is you know um, how far do you take that in terms of if you're a
1: meat eater and you enjoy meat, do you cut back on so much meat? Uh, Well, this is where it becomes a little individual because there are some people that have genetic markers that most definitely their dietary intake of saturated fat, they are predisposed for that to quickly turn into Mm. cholesterol. So
0: it is an every body kind of situation where every every person needs to have an individual.
1: Totally. And for some people, it's really not that. It's actually maybe... Predispositions towards blood sugar and glycation. And mm-hmm. really, cholesterol formation has everything to do with their blood sugar health. And if they shift their intake of sugar and increase their intake of, f- of fiber mm-hmm. from plants, then fruits and vegetables, that, out. that will totally balance out whatever Got meats th- that's coming in. Um, so it really is all about a balance. And if you are on a cholesterol lowering medication, you do want to take CoQ10 because CoQ10 is this really key antioxidant that's critical. To your heart health. And when you take a statin, it it really lowers the values levels of CoQ10 in your body. A lot of doctors will actually recommend this now, but just in case you haven't gotten the recommendation. And I've you seen definitely, it,
0: you know, I think even, gosh, where can you get it now? Even like, is it in Trader Joe's? I've seen it somewhere. CoQ10? Possibly Whole Foods, maybe.
1: Yeah, you can get CoQ10 everywhere. Yeah. And I'm, if you're I've over 35, it. you want to get it in the form called ubiquinol. So the end point of that is. N-O. So U-B-I-Q-U-I-N-O-L. As opposed to ubiquinone. U- ubiquinol is a more active form of CoQ10 that's easier to absorb over 35.
0: And that's if you're over 35. So that means it's all downhill from there, you guys. <laughs> over 35.
1: <laughs> it certainly does not mean that.
0: I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on that side of the tracks. <laughs> okay. And I'm okay. Um. <laughs> um. Man, thank you. This is uh part 2. We should just have a series on Leona, you guys. <laughs> Maybe we should just have a series on Leona. Um, thank you again
1: You're for sitting thank down you. with me.
0: Um, it's always fun to chat with you. Um, you. we did have a little bit of music happening in the background, but uh, you know, uh, the the gym downstairs. They're rocking it hardcore. <laughs> um, Anything else you want to say to these guys before we peace out? Uh you do um once again your website leonawest.com,
1: leonawest.com.
0: Okay, and I will reiterate she is not on Instagram, you guys, not on Instagram. Wait, you technically are. Just don't yeah. no, we're not doing it. Okay, never <laughs> mind. Pretend she's not on Instagram. Um <laughs> but she does have her Facebook. Yes. And you can reach the Facebook through your website yes. at leonawest.com. Yes. Great. That's that's what we'll have people do uh, great. Any
1: parting words? No, just, just remember to go with diet first and just remember that just the smallest changes that you make ultimately move things forward in terms of your health. So never get overwhelmed, just, and listen to your body because if you really listen, you're already going to most likely take positive steps forward that you kind of innately, know um, is correct for your body and you start there you want to start somewhere
0: yeah and that's just i think the biggest thing is just having that self-awareness that's key if you know you know something doesn't feel right
2: yeah
0: once you get to that don't. point of awareness yeah. where something does not don't feel ignore right. that yeah. exactly all right so we'll talk later okay till next time <laughs>